Welcome to the Power Your Life radio show with host and success doc, Joanne White. Author, speaker, certified coach, and energy master, Doc White gets to the heart of what matters most. She features guests and experts to help you consciously create more success, health, and wellness in every area of your life, work, and relationships. They'll share their success stories, wisdom, and know-how to help you shine more light onto your day and into your life. Power your life right now. Here's Joanne White. tuning in to Power Your Life. Many of us are interested in our spiritual lives, oftentimes wondering how that differentiates from religion, spirituality versus religion, and how we can attain and maintain success within our own spirituality. Well, we're going to talk about that and so many other questions so that you can actually realize what that means and be on your journey to achieve enlightenment. And my next guest is Vishnu Swami, who is known as the Maverick Monk. He became the world's youngest Swami at the age of 23. Vishnu presents new, fun, and understandable ways of condensing the 5,000-year-old spiritual wisdom of India to empower and inspire everyday people like us in modern times. Defying tradition in his presentations, Vishnu's words spark intrigue, thought, and introspection within us. He provides actionable steps for more effective, powerful living and for attaining the bliss of passionate enlightenment. He was made the world's youngest Swami when he was 23, but started his journey at the tender age of 11 years. Amazing. Vishnu's taught in over 20 countries and 80 cities, and they shared the stage with legendaries such as Les Brown, Michael Beckwith, Kevin Harrington, and the cast of The Secret. He holds a PhD in Dharma, and has been featured alongside Pope Francis in museums and art exhibitions worldwide. And his newest book, which I'm holding in my hand, which is incredible, is called Eternal Dharma, How to Find Spiritual Evolution Through Surrender and Embrace Your Life's True Purpose. Welcome, Vishnu. It's a pleasure to have you here today. I'm excited. We're going to have a great show. Yes, we are. So before we even get started, many people are wondering, firstly, what's, what's, what does Dharma mean? Dharma, that's a really fun concept. It's the foundational concept that all Eastern wisdom is based on. What it really means is Dharma is an inherent function, a core constitutional nature. It's kind of like the the nature or the essence or the purpose, the duty, the reason why anything exists. So, for example, if you have a pen, a pen has a dharma. The dharma of a pen is to be written with. That's what it is. That's what it's made for. That's what it is being called to do. That is what a pen is. It's a tool, an instrument for writing. So when you use it according to its dharma, it's happy, it's effective, and it's fulfilling its purpose. When you use it against its dharma, 
then maybe not so happy. Like a fish's dharma is to be in water. That's just its nature. So everything, everyone has a dharma, has a purpose, has a reason for existing. And the closer we are aligned with that, the closer we, the closer we are to executing and living who we truly are, the happier can be, the more money we can make, the better relationships we can have, and more importantly, the faster we can progress to what I call passionate enlightenment. I love that term, passionate enlightenment. Now, you talk about a pen as having dharma, so and all pens seem to have the same dharma. They're, they're used as tools. However, all people don't have the same dharma, the same purpose. Is, is that true? And how do we, and how do we determine that? Yeah, that's the that's where it gets fun. I think any philosophy that tries to make everyone the same, the same rules, the same way of being for everyone, it's kind of boring because it becomes bland. I agree. I agree. Just, <laughs> if we look into nature, we see that no two snowflakes are made the same. All fruits are different. Every leaf on the tree, there, there's variety is what brings sweetness, is what brings beauty. So everybody has an individual core purpose. And that's why you can't say, okay, this is your dharma. It's not just so straightforward. It's almost like a journey in finding and fulfilling our dharma that makes life fun and interesting. So I often think that that being able to access our, our, our true purpose, our true dharma, is to really see what the gifts we are that and, and where our passion lies in terms of the gifts that... that we've been given that that seem to flow so easily from us and also the passion about certain ideas and certain concepts and, and, and so is that um, am I on the right track with that or do you have a totally different definition and orientation of, of purpose and dharma for, for people yes and no part of it is the natural kind of inclinations the tendencies the motivations kind of like why are you on this earth what is your calling what is your higher purpose what is your being and that is that's true that's undeniable and those who experience that and taste that and live that it's it's so obvious it's like yes this is who I'm meant to be this is what I'm meant to do and it's clear but dharma is a much more intrinsic principle than just that and what I mean is that there's the parts of Dharma that are not sexy, that are just kind of straightforward, and that's a duty in a sense. If you're a mother, you have a Dharma to take care of your children. Now, you might not feel passionate about it, you might not feel that that's your calling on earth, but it's still your Dharma. It's still your duty as a mother. As as a father, you have a duty. As as a king would have a duty. If you, if you have, have your work, it's, it's, that's what we call temporary Dharmas. They're dharmas that come for a specific period of time. They didn't exist eternally, and they will end one day. So, um, yeah, that's the dharmas of the body. And we can have several of those different types of dharmas that are temporary, but they're important and key to execute. And then there's something which is called an eternal dharma, and that's where the, the part that inspires me the most, and that's the dharma of the soul. That's the dharma that exists beyond this body, because this body one day is going to die. One day it's going to melt away, it's going to burn, it's going to disappear. Every seven years, every cell of the body changes, our mind changes, our emotions change. So the thing that stays the same about us, the ancient wisdom of, of the traditions of the East to tell us that that's the soul, that's the, the, the jivatma, as you'd say in Sanskrit, or the living entity that, that exists beyond this body, beyond this mind. And that soul also has a dharma 
that dharma can be expressed through the body, but it's not limited to our birth, to our body, to our time, to our place, to our circumstances. Something that exists beyond. And that's where we get into the spiritual side. That's a passionate, loving connection with the divine. And like we said, everything is unique. So there's a unique relationship with the divine. So, yeah, part of it, I guess the simple answer is part of Dharma is our spiritual journey. Part of it is our practical duties and necessities of just living in this body. And then part of it, I guess you can kind of say, is the mixture between the two, where it's, you've got a bit of a higher purpose, but it's also in tied with your practical life. Wonderful. So how do we know we come into this lifetime, and oftentimes our memory of being soul, not in a body, not a, not a physical body, is not there when we're when we're we're in this new when we're in this body. And how do we know then what the soul dharma is and how do we actually begin to reconnect with it? Because I think that, that that's part of our purpose here. That's a great question. If we can't see the soul, we can't touch it, we don't really remember being it, we think we're this body, how the hell are we supposed to live from our soul? How are we supposed to <laughs> express our... Our, our core dharma, when it's something that can almost seem like some kind of airy-fairy philosophical concept, which we don't always have a tangible experience of. And just as dharma is variegated, I wish I could give you one simple answer for that. But the truth is, is that we're all on an individual journey. And the medicine or the 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 path for someone to realize their soul is an individual process and we're different we're different grades kindergarten first grade second grade so we need different things at different times so it's really an evolution that we go through um but simply said spiritual pre- um trying to take broad concepts and make them simple this dharma of the soul is to be selfless in love the dharma of, of the body or the material condition nature, the thing that brings us suffering and pain when we stay, step away from our true dharma and therefore forget the soul, is selfishness. So when we want to dominate and control and have the world bend to our wills and serve us and us to be the masters and the, the cause and for us to take the position of God in a sense, what I call God syndrome, that's what deludes us from being able to understand the soul. So I guess the first step is to start being selfless, is how can I serve, how can I give to others, and then that that helps us advance and progress to to a deeper journey of spiritual evolution. You know, I love that idea. I think that one of the reasons that we're in this body, I mean, that's, again, this is my orientation, is one, you know, to love and to and to offer service. So, um, I mean, I think that's there. There are other reasons that I come up with, but to me, uh, those are very important reasons. And also to learn and to be able to expand ourselves and to grow spiritually and and in other areas of our life. Um, so, how does one begin? You know, you you were talking about different levels, Vishnu, and and different, how does one start? to begin to say, okay, I'm ready. I, I may not remember what my soul is about, but, but I'm committed to, to really being able to travel that path and open up to my soul. What do I need to do to begin that, that spiritual journey? The same thing how everything starts in reality, desire. 
Everything starts with want. When we, if you want to build a building, you have a desire to build the building, then you bring your intelligence and your mind and you communicate and then you build the building. If you want to create a, a better biceps, you, you desire it and then you go into the gym and you work out. Everything starts with who we are, which is desire. That's what makes us a unique individual being. There's one place in the ancient uh, scriptures of India, the Bhagavad Gita, very famous text. This is Dadadi Buddhi Yogam Tam Yenamam Upayantate. That's the Sanskrit, which says that if someone sincerely wants to find me, wants to find the divine, wants to find God or spirit, the divine, then I give them the intelligence of how they can come to me. Because oftentimes we think we have to go at this alone that, oh, I have to figure it out, I have to go on this journey, and we're, we're all striving for connection, but we feel alone, and we feel, it, we, we, we feel oftentimes lost and, 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 and bewildered. But when we understand that the divine spirit, God, exists everywhere inside of everything that's inside of our heart, is connected with all things and in all ways, then, then what we simply have to do is just, just look. And then once we look, then the divine gives us guidance gives us gives us the path so it's almost opening that that inner sense of intuition and knowing now that can sign that that can sound kind of subtle but when you feel it it's so obvious so so clear and i've talked to hundreds and thousands of people around the world about this and um yes so inner guidance is there for the sincere soul you know, I love to listen to the inner guidance, and, and how people, <clears throat> I mean, to me, I thrive on that. How do people be, how, how do people access that and know that when they're, whether they're meditating or chanting or, or whatever, that they're accessing that, that true inner guidance, the, the information from the divine, from the soul? So the question is, how do you access it, or how do we know if we're accessing how it, it's we, real or not? Right. How do we know that it's that we're accessing it, that it's real or not, that it's not just our ego, that it's not just something else telling us? You know, how do we know that it's coming from that, that soul place, that Dharma place? I have two answers. The first answer, if you fall and slice your toe off, how do you know your toe got cut off? You just know it. <laughs> <laughs> you feel it. It's obvious. Right? If you're like, hmm, I'm not sure. Is it on? Is it off? Then maybe not. You know, it's that's I think that's one of the things. Because the spiritual domain is subtle, because it's not necessarily always rooted in physical reality. So it requires some type of intuition, some type of a subtle attunement. It leaves a space for a lot of speculation, a lot of uncertainty for some for, for some people. And I think in the spiritual space, there is a lot of that, that just imagination, which is not really connected in true reality. But when but when it's real, it's real. How do you know if you're in love? You feel it, you know? Now, love is not something as physical, tangible as touching your toe, but you feel that it takes over your being. So when you're really connecting with, with intuition, I explained that in my book, Eternal Dharma, in, in the later chapters. We've got a, a chapter on it. When you really connect with it, it's very obvious. It's very, very clear, and there's without a shadow of a doubt. And sometimes maybe you've had the experience or different people have the experiences when you try to go against that 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 intuition, it, it just, how do you say, it shouts back at you. You're like, no, okay, okay, and you have to listen yeah. to You have to listen to it. Now, Definitely. another, yeah, you, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. And so <laughs> now 
another th- another thing which I generally don't talk about, especially in in new radio shows, and that is that that in inherent in the philosophy of the East, in the spiritual process of the East, is the necessity for a guru, the necessity for a teacher. And the reason for that is because sometimes that, that inner guidance is also subtle, is intuitive. And when we're first starting out, we're a little not so attuned. Not We can't tune into it that well. So what a guru does is tunes into divine reality, tunes into the connection with the divine, and then gives you personalized instructions accordingly. accordingly. And that's the necessity of having a guru. Now, I, I'm going to tell you a very quick story because I lost, um, my sweet Selena, a Siamese cat I was very connected to of like 17 and a half years. And afterwards, I was finding on my walks, because I take meditative walks, I was finding dimes and pennies, ways of, and I always thought that those were ways from the divine and just acknowledging that, that she was connecting with me. And then just recently, I said, wow, I've been on a walk the last few days and I haven't found anything any it's you know anything a penny or what and it just seems strange so the night before last i had a dream that i was in some strange house or whatever and i looked under the couch and there was a lot there were lots of coins dimes and quarters and pennies and whatever and and when i woke up i laughed i said well you know to me it's like <laughs> I I was still being given those gifts and and, and that acknowledgement that yes we're connecting and and whatever and it was just it, it, I don't know if you'll see it that way but to me it it was again uh just just a confirmation yeah everything in reality is a manifestation of the divine so God uses different parts of life in the world to to send us messages to teach. I have a, a little thing. It's not finding pennies and dimes, but it's um, in the Vedic tradition, which is what I teach from. The number one hundred eight is an auspicious number. So me, it's oftentimes I'll just randomly look at the clock and I'll be like ten 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 oh eight. Or it'll be 108 and and or 1108 uh, and and so basically I see the number 108 and for me I see that as oh God's smiling at me I kind of feel connected every time I see that number and every time I look at the clock it's like that number you know so right times a day so Good. we can have our right. own little individual quirky ways of of connecting with the divine and that's just just a little sweet thing which is nice it is so sweet and it allows you to I always say that that the divine and the universe are incredibly responsive to us. We just have to know how to access it, to listen, to pay attention, and and to just really know what those messages are because, they're to me, they're constant. You talk a lot in your book about spiritual evolution. How do we define that to our listeners today, Vishnu? We're all on a path. Why do we exist? We come into this world for some time. We, 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 we try to figure it out. We get old, we get sick, and then we get and we die. And our life's so short, and the older we get, the faster time flies. And it's really, what's the point of it all? What's the point of everything? If there is nothing after death, is it just the time that we have where we're confused and trying to figure it out? And, and, and you know, it, it's the point of spiritual evolution is that we are eternal beings, 
and that everything that happens in life is for a higher purpose, that's to help us grow and connect in a passionate, loving relationship with the divine. And our purpose, our dharma, our duty is to speed up that journey, is to create a, a passionate, loving relationship with the divine that exists beyond this body, beyond the mind. And that's our spiritual journey, our spiritual evolution, that it happens to us, but it's a much more beautiful. And the point of it all is so that we can choose to evolve ourselves spiritually. We can choose to cultivate that love. I, I, you know, that's beautiful the way you just said that. I love that. Is it possible to attain enlightenment in this physical body in a lifetime? No, totally not. We're, we're, we're screwed. We can never attain enlightenment. <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> I'm not upset about it either. <laughs> yeah, of course. Of course. That's the reason why we exist. That's our core dharma. That's our nature. It's who we are. It's what we're born to be. If we cannot connect enlightened, if we cannot be enlightened, then why exist? That's the purpose of it all. But it often feels so distant, so far, so hard to attain. And and that's why ancient wisdom is there to help us that's why i write my books that's why i teach that's why i try to help people because when people connect with in proper mantra meditation when people begin to relate with life appropriately because i think oftentimes our pain our suffering comes when we're not relating with life in the dharmically according to dharma the way properly so we're ineffective we can't make money we don't have good relationships and we don't attain enlightenment and our life often seems like it goes to waste you know, then we wait till next life to, to, to evolve. But it's a question, how do we live our life powerfully so we can attain that passionate enlightenment, so that we can live our truest purpose, who we are. Otherwise, otherwise screw it, man. Life's messed up. <laughs> you know, many people and many spiritual advisors and leaders do say that you cannot attain it in one lifetime, spiritual enlightenment. So what is it? How do we define it to our listeners? What is spiritual what is enlightenment? It? How would I know that I've arrived? <laughs> okay. Well, the question is, if it's in one, I didn't say, you said, can we attain it in this lifetime? Yes. But generally, it's a multi-lifetime process. We have right, our and evolution, I... and, 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 and we continue that. That's why some people are naturally more inclined, because they have spiritual backing. But really, in Eternal Dharma, I explain that there are three types of enlightenment. And behind these three types, there are entire religions, there's entire spiritual groups, philosophies, books, meditation practices, temples, churches, everything set up, um, basically divided into these three categories of enlightenment. So the first understanding of the divine or the first stage of enlightenment in Sanskrit is known as Brahman. Brahman. Right, And this, this mm -hmm. enlightenment is the impersonal. This is the understanding that we're all one. You probably hear a lot of people, we're all one, everything is one, everything's the same. And that's the idea that our identification with this body is wrong. This body's temporary. It's going to die one day, but we're eternal. And to really separate my body from the table in front of me is a little bit of an illusion because if, if, you, look, if you go with a super microscope and look molecularly, there's no real difference between the table and my hand because where my hand stops, where the air starts, and where the table starts again, there's no clear differentiation. 
so the, the idea of oneness is that really everything in reality is just a, a transformation of one energy. Everything is, is, is one, but just experience separateness. And that separateness is what causes us pain and suffering. So therefore, when we detach ourselves from this world, when we give up our identity, when we give up the concept of the body and the mind, and we just connect with the totality of existence, and more specifically, when we just connect with the divine, which is this impersonal uh, one, one kind of white light that we merge with, right? That is one, one concept of the, of the divine. And um, how do you say? The, it's a very beautiful concept. It has its place. It's very powerful. And many religions are, are based behind it. Buddhism is very much about that. That's the nirvana where you just kind of zone out into nothingness. And by doing that, pain is destroyed. Suffering is destroyed. And there's just this happiness of just being you without any without any false identities and false desires that are causing us that cause us pain and suffering so we understand that from thousands of years of wisdom to be the first understanding of the divine the second understanding of the divine is what we were speaking about a little bit earlier and that's the idea that, okay, yes, everything, how do you say, there is this impersonal white light. And when I go deep into meditation, I can connect with that and kind of zone out into this nothingness. But there's still a divine will behind existence. There's still a greater cause, a greater power that causes everything to be. There still is, in a sense, a silhouette behind the white light. There still is something, someone, we don't know exactly what it is, who it is. Uh, whether it's a god, whether it's a he or a she, whether it has a form or not, but there's some will that is giving us those little messages inside. That is that guru that's saying, do this, do that, don't do this, don't do that. There still is uh, a, a greater force that, that's created the sun, that causes the sun to rise and to the sets and the seasons to come and to go. And that there is that kind of... And, and when we go on the spiritual path, the spiritual journey, we connect with that, what is known as Paramatma, or the super soul, the soul of the soul, the, the, the soul of creation and existence. And we find out that that Paramatma, that being, has a desire, has a will. And that will is, is pulsating throughout all of existence, throughout all of reality. Every tree, every flower, every rock is, is vibrating the, de the desire, the will of that divine. And what we do in our spiritual path is then we just tune into the will and we act. We surrender to that higher power and we act according to that divine will, to, according to that divine purpose. And in that, some love is generated and there's a little bit of a relationship, a little bit of a dance that is created. So that's the second concept of the divine and for that again there's entire spiritual paths religions processes yogic meditations uh, to understand and connect with that that um, divine will that paramatma that super soul that exists within everything and that is everywhere and in that idea there is everything is not one yes everything is one in one sense but also there is me and there is that that supreme desire, and I connect with that supreme desire. So there's a differentiation between me and the divine, and we create a relationship. And in relationship that is created, that allows there to be love, because by nature, love has a giver and a receiver, a connection, and that's what creates beauty, that's what creates nectar, that's what creates sweetness is in that dance. If you dance by yourself, it's not so fun. When you dance with someone, then it gets really fun, right? So that's in that that's divine duality. Now, well, I, the I'm going to actually. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Then I'll tell you something. 
No, you can you know you can ask a question and then we can get to the first stage. It was about dancing because I have a background in dancing and and oftentimes I love to dance by myself. It's more of a spiritual dance and it feels like, you know, when I'm doing it in my living room or my bedroom and when I'm doing it that way, it's a way of being thankful to the divine. It's 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 almost fear, feels like like a practice in a way. You know, I've also studied with the Sufi. So to me, dancing alone is not really dancing alone. It's it's dancing with the divine, and it has a different significance. Yeah, so it's it's not alone. You're still in union. Right. You're still connecting right. with the divine. So right. there's you, and there's the divine. So there's true. There's so, yeah, that's what I meant. So, okay, yeah, the the third. I'm not saying. For he that or she that dances alone shall forever be unhappy. No, <laughs> no, it's, it's not about the dancing. dancing alone like that. It feels like a very, it, it just feels like an incredibly spiritual, thankful, like like humbling, beautiful experience. And yeah, so and it's very. It's, it's, it's a way of using your. It's a way of using your body to tune in. To that parma, right. to, to tune into that divine, there's almost like this other energy comes through you, and then you take the energy of yourself and you're offering it and flowing with it. Very you beautiful. You said it beautifully. That's true. <laughs> yes, yes. Now the question is, how do we live life like that all the time in everything we do? So much sweetness would come when we learn how to do that. Now the. The third, the third stage of the divine, or what I call the unabridged understanding of the divine, or of spiritual practice, is to know that that will that is breathing through us, that divine pulsating desire that, that gives us our intuition and that inner guidance and that, that guru that's within inside us, also has a name, also has a family, also has a friends. We can have name, family, friends, form, body, style, looks, clothes, qualities. And that's what gives us our individuality and our sweetness. That's what, that's what gives us our uniqueness. So the divine can also have that. But the difference is, is that they're not limited by that. So, um, so oftentimes philosophically, if, you, if, if we get, I mean, I'm not trying to get too philosophical here, but philosophically they say, well, if God can have a form, then he's limited by the form, and then how can he be unlimited and divine? And, but the, the, the beauty of the divine, the beauty is that God can have a form, a name, a qualities, and pastimes. And this is not like in religion, like, my God's the only God, his name is blah, 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 and everyone else is going to hell. That's, God can have millions and millions and millions of different forms to be able to taste different types of sweetnesses and to have different types of relationship. And when you know God as a person that can be your friend, can be your father, can be your child, even can be your lover, and creating a personal relationship, that opens the door to another dimension of sweetness, another dimension of beauty, another dimension of relationship that can't have when God is either this amorphous blob of nothing or, or, or if God is just this kind of vague idea of some desire behind existence. There's so much more sweetness that can be had when God is the most beautiful person in existence, the most beautiful being that, can, that ever was and ever will be, and, and you can have a personal relationship with the divine. 
And if you look at a lot of the major religions and spiritual paths, they see God in this third understanding. Like in the Bible, it says God created man after his own image. In the Quran, it says, which means the same thing. In the Vedic scriptures, it also says the same thing. And um, so much sweetness can be had there. If it's not misinterpreted, like has been done in history, where people just take it to mean, I'm better than you, my God is better than your God, and kill other people for it, which... Obviously, I'm totally against. Well, I am too, and I totally agree with that. Your book uh, has so much wonderful elements in it, and you have something that, that's ca- called the elemental reality system. And, and can you describe that a little bit so that we can get a sense of it and what it means and for us? Yeah. So my book, Eternal Dharma, for the listeners, you can get it at maverickmonk.com or Barnes & Nobles across the country, Amazon, Eternal Dharma. And what I go into is I explain dharma, which we talked about already. It means an inherent constitutional nature. So the first section of the book is we talk about, okay, what is the nature of us? Who are we? Who? What is my temporary dharma? What is my eternal dharma? Who am I? What am I meant to be? What is my purpose? What is my duty? How do I, how do I live powerfully? The third stage, of the, which we talked a little bit in the beginning of this, now, the third stage, the third part of the book is we speak about what is the nature of the divine, which is what we were just speaking about. We talked about the three stages of spiritual evolution, different psychologies, how, how spirituality has grown in time, and, uh, and, 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 how, and more practically, how do we create that loving relationship with the divine. Now, the whole middle section of the book, which is the biggest part of the book, I speak about the elemental reality system, and that's where we go into what is the dharma of this world? What is the dharma of, of, of this chair? What is the dharma? What is this world made up of? And how do we use that so we can be effective? How do we use that to run a better business, to create a better business? How do we use that to have a better relationship? How do we use that when we're trying to have a war or a battle? How do we use that in our practical, tangible, physical lives? Because oftentimes people on the spiritual path, they just want to drop off the face of the earth, go to some mountains in the Himalayas, and they're so disconnected from practical reality. But real spirituality is how do we integrate our practical lives? How do we integrate our spiritual lives so that they're one and the same? And how do we be effective and powerful? So the elemental reality system is how to do that. And the basic tenets, the basic idea of it, is that according to thousands of years of wisdoms and many sciences like acupuncture and Ayurveda and yoga, all of reality is made up of just eight things. Earth, water, fire, air, ether. Those are the five physical elements. In Chinese, they replace ether with wood and I think air with metal. And then... And so those are the five physical elements. All physical reality is made of, of these things. Ether is sound. Ether is vibration, just in case some people think, what's ether? You know, it's also space. Then there's three subtle elements, which is the mind, which are emotions, which are feelings. Then the, uh, there's the chatter that's inside of our head. Then there's the, the next thing is, is information or intelligence. It's data, information, numbers, the knowledge. And then the third thing is ego, which is identity, which is paradigms, which is self-concept, which is belief, which is our identity. So everything is just made of these eight things. So, if, if for example, and, and in, in different composition. So we go into what is the Dharma, what is the nature of these eight things, how do they interact with each other, and how do we have them in alignment, how do we have them in harmony, in balance. For example, in health, our body 
we have these five elements, five element acupunctures based, be, based on this. And if you have too much fire element inside the body, which is related with the heart organ or related with, different, with the eyes, with different parts of the body, then you'll have a fever. So what an acupuncturist will do, will, will stick needles to increase water, and, and water, if you put water on fire, it brings the fire down, and then the elements exist in a proper balance, and then you're healthy in your body. So how do we do that in a business system? How do we do that in a relationship? How do we do that in, in any type of situation? Or if, if we don't have something that we want in our life, it means that one of the elements or several of the elements are out of proportion or out of balance or are off or being not expressed in their healthy way. So I teach how do we do that practically. It's almost like a, like a chemical. You get to mix life in a chemical way to make the perfect life exactly how you want it. And it works. It totally works. <laughs> so that's what the elemental reality system is about. And that's actually the main reason why I wrote the book, because that's unique. No one has that. There's no books about it. There's no thing. It took me eight years to, uh, after living in the monastery since I was 11 years old and 20, teaching in 20 countries around the world, eight years to really um, fine tweak this, this system, which is based on thousands of years of wisdom. And, you know, as you're describing it, just know it's a very powerful system because it affects all aspects of who we are and, and who everything is around us, too, which is important. And I love what you said earlier, too, and that we need to be able to live our spirituality, to live our dharma, and not necessarily go off on some mountaintop because it's important to to be able to utilize that and 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 be in the so-called world there's so much that you have here we need to really have you on again can you just give our listeners vishnu a tip or something that they can kind of go on that just sort of tweaks their their spiritual unfolding (laughs) yes i can the the first thing is that I can give you one thing, and it will help immensely, but by getting Eternal Dharma on maverickmonk.com, by really being sincere and opening yourself, then, then so much more will come. But really, one practice is through mantra meditation. If we chant a specific mantra, sound vibration exists inside of everything. If you clap your hands, if you slap yourself, there's sound which exists inside of everything. So sound is a very subtle element, but a very powerful element. So a lot of spiritual practices and a lot of practical things are based in sound vibration. So one, there's one exercise I give. It's actually in the first chapter of the book I give this. And also in the bonuses, I have a video where people can uh, watch and learn from me more directly with more details. But uh, the sound vibration is, is Gopal is the mantra that I recommend, even though there's many mantras. And if you just breathe in, and then breathe out and go, Gopal, Gopal, Gopal. Gopal, Gopal, Gopal. Gopal, Gopal, Gopal. And you do that a couple times before you start anything. It kind of recenters you, re-brings your focus into balance. It brings your body and your mind into kind of union and attunement. And it's also the mantra Gopal. I could probably speak three hours on it, but it's a very powerful sound vibration that also helps us connect with the divine. It helps us both practically and spiritually. So you can do that before you start anything important, when you're feeling stressed or before you go to bed. Very, very powerful. Or even when you're driving anytime. 
As long as you keep your eyes open. Just keep your eyes open if you're driving. <laughs> yeah. Well, this new. And, and if I have are... to tell you to keep your eyes open when you're driving, <laughs> then you shouldn't have a driver's license anyway. Just stop driving and have someone else drive. I like I said to you earlier, this book is is very enlightening, and there are activities in here that we can utilize to help us move forward. And tell people, because I would love to have you on again, we only touched the surface of all of this. Tell people, Vishnu, how, again, how they can get a hold of this book, Eternal Dharma, How to Find Spiritual Evolution Through Surrender and Embrace Your Life's True Purpose, and how they can find you, beautiful you. Best way. Best way to find me is you come to the beach in Hawaii. No, but another way to find me is <laughs> Maverick Monk <laughs> is MaverickMonk.com. 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 That's my website. There you'll have a link to the book and more details about it. And you can get it on Amazon. And I just checked yesterday. They were selling the book cheaper than my wholesale price to buy it from the publisher. Otherwise, you can go to and I don't know if they're still doing that, but you can go on Amazon.com, but otherwise go to maverickmonk.com. There'll be links there. And then also, if you do that, then um, I will give you some special bonuses, some videos of the exercises and some me teaching it. Like some people, they don't like to read as much as they like to watch videos. So then I'm also uh, creating a video course on the book that I'll give you along with the book if you order it from maverickmonk.com. Otherwise, Barnes & Nobles all over the United States. It should be in most of them around the country. Or you can go to everywhere, Books A Million, just and anywhere. Wonderful. Eternal Dharma. Thank you so much, Vishnu. You have so much to offer all of us. I appreciate you and all that you do in service. And I hope to have you on again. Okay. When I come out with my meditation course, I'll contact you. Perfect. Wonderful. Have a blessed day. Thanks again. Thank you. And next week we're shifting gears. This is Autism Awareness Month, so we're having Temple Grandin on once again. It's actually a replay talking about every wonderful thing that she talks about. Think about today, though. You, you, we talk so much, and there's so much information about Dharma and you and how you can really attain and discover your own spiritual revolution. And again, in this book, Eternal Dharma by Vishnu Swami, there are practices, there are ways that you can really begin to do that easily and lovingly and also be loving to yourself. So thanks so much for joining us. Tune in next week on the 19th. And if you want to get a hold of me, you can go to doc, D-O-C-W-H-I-T-E.org, docwhite.org, find out about shows, articles, whatever. And remember, you have the ability and the wherewithal to power your life every single day. Do so now. And thank you and have a blessed day wherever you are. You've been listening to the Power Your Life radio show with host and author, Dr. Joanne White. Listen often and spread the word about the upbeat show to enrich you and grow your life in the direction you desire. 
Listen again and again and visit DocWhite.org for more information and find out how Dr. Joanne can benefit you. Thank you for sharing your day with us and stay tuned for more exciting guests and events to come. Spin your passion into a business of Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.